for being with us. Uh, as you may or may not know, uh, Kendall is not doing good this morning. He is sick at home. He's in bed. And so uh, he asked, or we have come up with a plan to get this covered. And so thank you for inviting us in today. Whether you realize it or not, you invited us in, uh, myself, our students uh, from student ministry. And so uh, it's going to be a good day today. And I, uh, if you have your Bibles, why don't you just go ahead and open up to Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, I don't really know what y'all have been studying or where you've been, but I'm pretty sure you probably haven't been in Jonah recently. Uh, but we're going to be in Jonah this morning, and i got these chairs up here as an illustration, so if you'll follow along with me, you'll, you will understand what these are all about. Um, but, you know, sometimes in life, uh, <clears throat> as we reflect on life, you kind of look throughout your life, you kind of see things where uh, there was good moments of life, there was bad moments of life, there was moments where... Uh, where you were awakened by things. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning. The title of this morning is, is called Awaken Me. Because you've probably had moments in life where you were awakened to some really good things. And you probably had some moments in life where you were maybe awakened to some bad things. Um, but really, we all have awakening moments in life. And let me just kind of share a quick story with you. Whenever uh, my wife, Megan, and I, we were celebrating uh, our second anniversary, I believe, and we were actually over in Shreveport, uh, and we were staying just for a couple nights over there. And uh, we were over there at this hotel, and we had an awakening moment. And uh, we're, we're there at this hotel, highly recommended from my parents. They had gone over there many times, had great experiences. We go to this hotel, and we're there, and all of a sudden, about 2.30 in the morning, this alarm goes off. And it's not your typical alarm. Now, I don't know, is anybody light sleepers? How many of you are light sleepers? You know, you can hear one little thing and you sit right up. That's me. Like, that's me. I, I, I'm not a real heavy sleeper. If I hear something, it wakes me up. And so all of a sudden, about 2.30 in the morning, we hear, attention, attention, please return to your normal activities. And I'm like, what in the world? My normal activity was I was just sleeping and you just woke me up. And now my heart is racing. I mean, and it comes through. They have these speakers in the room and it comes through the room. Attention, attention. I sit straight up, you know, your heart's racing. You're looking like, and the, the room is pitch dark. So you're looking like, who's in the room? I'm about to take them out. What's going on? You know, it's me and my wife. What's going on? And then you realize, like, this is like an alarm that's going off across the whole, the whole hotel. And so, like, I'm freaking out. I'm thinking this place is, like, getting robbed or something. It's on fire or what's going on. So I run over. I look out the window. Everything's normal outside. And I'm like, okay. And so uh, we lay back down. You know, like I said, my heart's racing. Your adrenaline's pumping. And it's like trying to go back to sleep. And about an hour later, same thing. Attention, attention. And I'm like, oh, my word. Like, these were a, an awakening moment in this moment. That was just a bad moment for me. I called my parents the next morning. And I'm like, this hotel you suggested is whack. Like, what's the deal here? This thing is setting off alarms. We called the front desk to figure out what's going on. Like, is this place being held up? What's going down? And they said, oh, the water levels got too low. And so we just want, we, it sets off an alarm. And I'm like, come on now, y'all, this is crazy. And so we, we had this moment of awakening, sitting straight up in this dead sleep, uh, freaking you out, right? Scary moment for us. But for me, I think about one major awakening moment that really stands out more than, more than any of them. And that was back when I was six years old. I'm going to date myself here, 1991. And I had an awakening moment with the Lord. Six years old, uh, it was a Sunday night at church, and I remember just throughout the course of events in my life, things that were happening, um, you know, normal six-year-old activities, things going down, uh, the Lord really began to, to get a hold of my heart and to teach me that I was a sinner, that I needed Jesus. And so I had an awakening moment, an awakening to my salvation. 
When the Lord told me at six years old that I needed to realize that I needed Jesus to be my Savior, and at six years old I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, the major, the most important major awakening moment in my life. Like I said, that was 1991. A lot of things have changed since 91. Some Half of y'all weren't even born back then. Um, but, but here's the thing. In 91, some things that were really popular, let me just kind of show you what the day was like in that time. Uh, the top movie was Terminator 2, Judgment Day. It sold over uh, $204 million at the box office. The number three movie was Beauty and the Beast, $145 million. That's like the original Beauty and the Beast, not this new age stuff, right? The price of gas, I wish we could go back, was $1.14. That is so great. And the cost of a stamp was only 25 cents. I don't know what it is now. It's like 40 cents. They raise it like every year. They just try to get your money however they can, right? A lot of good things were true back in 91 that are no longer true today. Those things, some of those things I mentioned there. But there are things that we don't have, that we do have today that we didn't have in 91. Praise God, right? You have smartphones. You have Wi-Fi. Uh, these are just kind of these new age things. We have social media. Like you didn't back in 91, you didn't post a picture of your egos and say, look what I'm having for breakfast. You didn't do that. Like, that just wasn't what you did. But we have social media today and you can do all those kind of things. But even though a lot of things have changed since 91, let me just share. There's one thing I want to share this morning. There's many things that haven't changed, but I want to share something that's always true. It hasn't changed since then. It hasn't changed today. And this is really just the kind of the main thought, the main point of this morning is we talk about awakening me is that running from God, running from God always leads to regret. Running from God always leads to regret. And I said this is, this is called awaken me. And so some of us here this morning, maybe you're running from God. And it might look different across this room. Maybe, maybe you're running from the call of salvation. Maybe you're running from a call to ministry. Maybe you're running from God uh, in a certain area that maybe it's pertaining to a relationship or you know some things need to change, but you're running from God. You know that maybe there's things in your life that God has spoken to you, but you're running from him. And so this morning, I've got these four chairs up here. And really what these four chairs symbolize this morning are four chairs that are all running from the Lord, running from God and what he wants us to do. Now, really, and the reality is, is we all find ourselves sitting in one of four of these chairs this morning. Maybe different. For each one of us, like I said, maybe it's a run from salvation. Maybe it's just a run from a decision or a calling. But we all find ourselves in one of these chairs. But really, there's only one chair that's safe this morning. And so the first chair we're going to talk about real quick is this chair, the I don't care chair. The, the I don't care chair. Now, let's just be honest. I mean, there's some things in life that, that really we just don't care about. There's some things that you don't care about. Things that I don't care about, like, let me just give you an example. Uh, I was flipping through the channels last week, and I saw on TV, there was this thing that was called, like, the National Dog Show. Now, for some of y'all, like, you get the popcorn ready, you get you get situated on the couch, you, you know, get all your friends together, and that's like, a, like an annual event that you're going to, like, sit down and just take it all in. The dog show, I, I could care less. Did you see them, like, walking their dogs across the stage, and, like, and they do all the little things. I'm like, who cares? I don't care about that. If you do, that's great. That's your thing. I, I care about things you don't care about. Another thing I don't really care about, which you see like on typical Sunday afternoons and different times of the year, you see these NASCAR races. All they do is drive in a circle. They never turn right. Yes, that takes skill, of course, but I don't know. But it's just like I don't care about it. I don't care about NASCAR. Maybe you do. Like I said, maybe you do, maybe you don't. 
The NBA playoffs are on today. That's something I care about. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to watch the Rockets this afternoon. Hopefully take down the Thunder. Now, I don't know what your choice is, but let's go. Come on, Harden. Get together, right? That's something I care about. You might not care about it. But here's some things, man. We all care about things that others don't. So I don't care, Chair. What I want to say this morning is I believe this is probably the most dangerous chair that we can be in today. Because there are some of us here today who, when it comes to the work of God in your life, you just sit there and you say, I don't care. I don't really care about what God wants to do in my life. I don't care. We see this in Jonah. We're going to see kind of these stages, these chair stages in Jonah's life this morning. So let's pick it up. Chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Now, now, Jonah doesn't realize in this moment really how awesome it really is. It says in verse 1 that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God is speaking directly to Jonah in this moment. And Jonah didn't really think it was that cool of a thing because of the task that God had given him to do. He says, hey, go to Nineveh and preach against it. It's full of wickedness. It's come up before me. But it says in verse 3, Jonah ran from the Lord. See, Jonah did not care in this moment, the Bible says, and we're going to see this in a moment, that Jonah ran the other way. Because somewhere in his heart, he said, I don't really care what God wants to do in my life in this moment. So let me ask you a personal question. I don't want you to answer this out loud, but just think about this to yourself. Do you really care about what God has done for you and what he wants for you? Do you care about this? Do you care what God is asking for you to do? and what he wants to do in your life. And if you can answer that question and say, not really, I don't, not, not so much, then you most likely will find yourself right here in this chair this morning. And this is a dangerous place. You come to church, now it's just a great thing that you're here this morning. You, you, you're here, um, you've sacrificed time to be here, but maybe you, even after singing these songs, you're like, man, this isn't my favorite song, I don't really like this, can we just get through this? Can this guy just shut up, can we just go and go eat lunch, whatever. If that's your attitude many times, that's just a dangerous place because that's most likely pointing to the I don't care attitude. I don't care. See, the Bible is very clear, man, that we are all born sinners, that we all can't measure up to God's standard by ourselves. We know this. We just celebrated it last week. Jesus, God sent his son Jesus to this earth, therefore, to take our place because we couldn't measure up, to send Jesus to make the sacrifice so that we could be made right with God and have direct access to him. So essentially, we could spend eternity with him. And if we have the attitude of, I don't care, everything that we just celebrated last week, that's just a slap to God in the face. And here's the reality is that running from God is always going to lead you to regret. Running from God always, always will lead you to regret. See, and there's maybe some people this morning who sit in this chair saying, yeah, I'm in this chair. I, I, I raised my hand. Uh, when they gave an altar call at one point or salvation challenge, or, you know, I, I said a prayer at vacation Bible school, and I'm, I'm in this chair, and I'm a Christian, but maybe your life doesn't have any true, genuine affection towards Jesus. Maybe your life is all about yourself. And if you have no genuine affection towards Christ or desire to follow him, then I would say that you think you're sitting in this chair as a Christian this morning, but chances are you probably aren't. Probably aren't. You need to understand. You have to have a, You need a Savior who you need to care about. 
This is the first chair. I don't care. This is kind of Jonah's attitude here in these first few verses. I don't care. Then we lead to the second one. Second chair is this, the I'm scared chair. I'm scared. Verse three continues. Well, let's, before we jump in, we're all afraid of things. Everybody has fears. The biggest, baddest, most macho, tough guy that you know is going to still have a fear. Like you, you can deny that all day, but we all have a fear down deep down inside. Just a couple of fears that are kind of, you know, top fears that are, that are always true that people always have is this kind of fear of a public speaking. Maybe for you that freaks you out. Public speaking or heights or flying in an airplane or maybe for some of you it's spiders. Like it's spider, right? That's, that's a bad thing right there. Or maybe you're afraid of the dark. <laughs> we all have fears. There's things in our lives that, that keep us afraid, that, that have moments of fear in our life. Not only did Jonah not care in this moment, but all of a sudden now he goes to this next chair of being afraid, being scared. And in verse 3 it says this, But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. Now it's really important to understand, he, where did God tell him to go in the first place? Nineveh. Jonah decides to head towards Tarshish. Now, I can understand, like, if you make a wrong turn somewhere and you get a little bit lost, he went in complete opposite directions. This is a, a, about a 2,500-mile 2, distance between these two places where he went. Like, he, I mean, this is a 2,500-mile mistake. Like, he didn't make the wrong turn. He went the other way. He, he ran the opposite direction. It says he went down to Joppa where he found a ship and he bound, it for, he bound for that port. He, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. See, Jonah was a prophet. And Jonah, what things, one of the things that was true about prophets is they weren't really that popular. Because many times the prophets would come to these people and they would speak hard truths and they would kind of call people to repentance and kind of point out things in their lives. And this was words straight from the Lord. But because of that, they weren't the most popular guy around. Like nobody, you know, they just, they didn't have that reputation. Their reputation many times was one that people wanted to stay away from. So God says, hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Yeah, it's going to, it's this huge, powerful, wicked city. And I want you to preach. I want you to go there. I want you to be a light to the darkness. And I want you to go and represent me. And Jonah said, I'm good. I'm just going to sit in the I'm scared chair. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I'm going to do something that I want to do, right? It is completely possible to sit in the I'm scared chair today and be a Christian. It's probably a time when you surrendered your life to Jesus, made him the Lord of your life, but now maybe you find yourself refusing to represent him, refusing to stand up and to be bold. I mean, I'm going to go to church, but I'm never going to invite anybody. I'm going to go to church, but I'm not really going to talk about it much because I'm, I'm just a little bit afraid to represent Christ. See, when we are willing to stand out, we must, when, when we are willing to stand out for Christ, people notice. There's going to be a difference about us. Something is going to stand out. No matter what happens in life, you choose to represent Christ. You say, I'm going to stand out and I want people to notice. No matter what it takes. See, if I'm going to move Away from this chair, the I'm scared chair, I've got to be willing to, to embrace two things. I've got to be willing to really just to get uncomfortable. We like comfort, don't we? How many of you guys sit in the same seat every Sunday? I know I do a lot of times, right? I park in the same parking spot out in the parking lot every single week. I know it because there's a little bit of grass in the concrete there. I know that's my spot right there, three spots away from the light pole. That's my spot, right? I just know we like comfort, but we must be willing to embrace 
being uncomfortable if we're going to move out of the I'm scared chair. We also must be willing to embrace the unknown. Hey, I want to stand up and I want to present Christ, but I don't really know what's going to happen if I do that. I've got to be willing to get uncomfortable, but I don't know what the diff- what the outcome is going to be. Because no one who continues to sit in the I'm scared chair is going to make a major difference for Christ. Because we sit there and we afraid we hide our light but we're going to have regrets if we stay in this chair so i don't care hey maybe i'm scared here's the third chair and i think this one is dangerous as well i'm aware the i'm aware chair now one of my claims not really a claim to fame but i always say this i always if if you've been around me anytime i'm a huge sports junkie you know this but here's the thing I grew up and I went to high school in Florida, and uh, I actually, my sophomore year of high school, any, any baseball fans in here? Baseball? Any Rangers or fans? Okay. Astros? Okay. Um, Toronto Blue Jays? I don't know. Uh, but I went to, when I was in high school in Florida, my sophomore year of high school, a guy by the name of Prince Fielder transferred to my high school. I was starstruck. I was like a sophomore, 16-year-old, I was a giddy boy, right? I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm aware of who he was. I mean, he was a big deal in my town. His dad, Cecil Fielder, played in the pros and everything. Of course, if you know Prince, he went to the pros and had to retire early because of a neck injury. But when, he, when I was a sophomore in high school, that was a big deal. Like, Prince came on campus, and he was a star. I knew who he was. Um, I was aware, definitely. Now, let's just say after church today, I go to Clear Springs for lunch, and, like, Prince Fielder walks in there. I don't know why he would, but if he did, and I ran up to him. I'm like, Prince Fielder, what's up, man? And he's like, who are you? He's like calling security. Getting, he doesn't need security. He's a big old dude. He, he could just handle me, right? He could just like take care of it. I'd be like, you don't remember me? Like, O'Galley High School, you know, 2002. Come on, man. And he's like, I don't know you, man. Uh, but I'm aware of who you are. You know, I'm aware. I mean, I was in the same hallways that you walked. I saw you playing baseball at my school. Come on, you don't remember me? No, I don't know, man. I don't know you. This is kind of the same thing that can happen with Christ. We can totally be aware of who he is, but have no relationship with him, right? I think this is a very common thing that we see today, especially in the South. I mean, we see this. Because there's churches everywhere. People know who Jesus is, but they don't have that relationship with him. Here's what the next verse says, verse 4. Let's keep reading because we've got a lot of scripture to cover still. It says, Then the Lord, he sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break apart. All the sailors were afraid, and each tried out his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten up the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat when it's in the middle of a storm. It's hard to sleep. But Jonah's like, I'm just going to go down there and crash. Like, I don't want to be a part of this, right? The captain went to him, verse 6, and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he, he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for, respect, for, uh, for making all this trouble. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? In verse 9, he puts it out there. He says, 
I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, the God who made the sea and made the dry land. Now, let's stop for a moment. He he says in verse nine, what does he say? He says, I worship the Lord. Is he worshiping the Lord in this moment in his life? No, he's sleeping. He's down below the deck sleeping like he is not worshiping the Lord. He is hiding. He's running from the Lord. I mean, yes, I go to church. Yes, I worship God. I mean, I'm there. I'm aware. I'm completely aware of who God is. Let me just say that it's completely possible to acknowledge Jesus. We acknowledge him. I'm aware of who he is without actually confessing him as Lord. There's a difference. Someone who confesses Jesus is on a constant basis to follow him with their mouths, with their words, and with their lifestyle. That is, that's what it's all about, right? Those who constantly confess the Lord. People who are in the I'm aware chair are fully aware of Jesus, the gospel, the church, but they're afraid to confess. They don't confess him as Lord. I mean, I know the scriptures. I know the Bible stories. I'm in church often, but I've never had that moment where I wanted Jesus to be the Lord of my life. So if you're in this chair, once again, this is a dangerous chair. These first three chairs are all dangerous this morning. Dangerous places to be because there, there is moments of running from the Lord, running from God. And what's it going to do? Running from God always leads to regret. Which brings us to the last chair, chair number four. The I'm there chair. I'm there. The person who is in this I'm there chair, they, they jump at every opportunity for God. They don't sit in the chair very often because they're just constantly jumping and going and doing things, right? They're constantly going after the Lord. I mean, there, now let's just stop and think. There are some opportunities in life that come your way that you don't really have to stop and think about. There are some things that you're like, let me pray about that for a while. Let me kind of wrestle through. Let me talk to some family. And there's some, there are some things like that, but there's other things when you don't have to think about them, right? Like I remember a few years ago, I got a phone call from one of my buddies, and he was like, hey, We've got a couple extra tickets to the Texas A&M football game this weekend. Do you and Megan want to go? I'm like, let me pray about that for a couple hours. Um, let me go in my closet and just pray. You know, no, I didn't have to do that. I'm like, I'm there, man. I'm there. Like, I want, I want to go. My first experience there, ever going to that kind of a game to a big, you know, college football big stage game. It was actually the first day they played in SEC. They played the Florida Gators which is my rivalry because I'm a Florida State Seminole. Uh, but we played the Ga- they played the Gators that day, and it was Johnny Manziel's first game. It was a huge day in the life of the Aggies, which I'm not an Aggie, but it was just a great game to be at. It was a, a great moment. Some opportunities like that you just jump at. You don't have to stop and think about them because you're, you're, you're at this constant place of saying, whatever you want me to do, I'm there. God, whatever you ask me to do, if you ask me to go serve in children's ministry, and I'm there. If you ask me to be more involved at church, I'm there. If you ask me to go on a mission trip, hey, I want to be there. I want to go do this. I want to represent you wherever I am, whatever you call me to. And let me just say, the people who find themselves sitting in the I'm there chair are the people who are the the difference makers in life. It took Jonah a while to get there. We've kind of walked through some stages in his life. Let's pick it up in verse 10. We're going to see Jonah eventually ends up in the I'm there there chair. Verse 10 says, This terrified them as they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. 
which is a great reminder to us that if you are running from God, you don't need anybody to tell you because you already know that you are. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea. I could have probably thought of some better ideas, but that's what he said, right? He, he says, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their very best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. He uh, Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O oh Lord, have done as you please. And they took Jonah and they threw him overboard into the raging sea, and it grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. Now, isn't it interesting here that we see these pagans on board feared God more so in this moment than the prophet? The guy who was supposed to be representing Jesus in the first place. These other guys, remember who at the beginning they were all offering to their own gods, trying to figure out a way to calm the sea. See? But here we see these guys being willing to... Go after the Lord and to fear the Lord. Verse 17. Now this, is, this is where it takes a turn. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, you can pretty much guarantee this was not a fun moment for Jonah. And, and maybe you're reading this story. Maybe you heard the story when the first time you heard it, you're like, man, that's, that, God, that God guy is kind of mean. Like a great fish, many times we, in Sunday school we're told it was a great whale, right? We, it says a great fish. And you think, man, God is mean. Let, let me just say, if, if that's your reaction to this story, just think about it like this. He could have sent a shark, right? He could have sent a shark. Like they threw Jonah over, and next thing you know, here's Jaws. Like, no, that's not what happens. He's provided a great fish. The great fish swallowed Jonah. He's in the belly of the fish for three days and three, night, three nights. And, and this is not a good place to be. If you're running from the Lord, you know how this feels because your life is not maybe as good as you pretend that it is. You, you might have other people around you fooled, but you know actually the mess that you're in. Like Jonah might have fooled other people for a little while, but he realized what the mess he found himself in when he was in the belly of this fish. He knew this. He knew he was running from the Lord, and he knew what his life actually looked like in this moment. And as he's there in this place, he begins to kind of get some of his... His, you know, his courage back and really begin to find his way. He begins to cry out. In chapter 2, he really begins to cry out to the Lord. And chapter 2 really documents Jonah's prayer from inside of the fish, right? And in verse 8, he says this. He says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that, God, that could be theirs. But I, with a strong thing, a song of thanksgiving, excuse me, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. He says, God, listen, I realize and I, I know I've been running from you. I, I know I've been doing this. You've got my attention. And, and Lord, I, I'm at the place where I just recognize I'll do anything I can for you. I've been running. You've got my attention. What do you want me to do? And at that, verse 10, it says, the Lord commanded the, the fish and it, and it spit Jonah onto dry land. Verse, uh, chapter 3 continues to document his story a little bit more here. And it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. 
Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it. Proclaim to it the message I give to you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to the great city of Nineveh. What a difference it was from chapter 1 and verse 3 when he heard the word and he ran from the Lord. This time it says he obeyed the word. See, Jonah had chose to run earlier in his life. He chose to be at the I don't care spot, but God was not done with Jonah. He was giving him this second chance to get out and to do something. And I, I think this morning, maybe you find yourself in one of these chairs, these three chairs, and, and maybe God's offering you that second chance this morning. That's the great thing about God is he's full of grace. He's full of second chances. It's an, I'm so glad, and I hope you are too, that God's not like, you miss it once and I'm done. He constantly wants to offer us that next chance. Hey, you missed it here, but let me give you that next chance. Get, get back up and get out there and do the thing I've called you to do. You know, we have to realize if we're running from the Lord, today is the day that we stop. If you're running from the call that God's placed in your life, maybe it's that decision or maybe it's that, that opportunity, that moment of salvation is the most important thing. If you're running from that decision, then today is the day that you can realize I can stop and I can change the direction that I'm going. I don't know what chair you're in this morning, what chair you might find yourself, but if you're in any of these first three, let me just say today's the day to move. Today's the day to begin to run towards God. Why? Because running from God always leads to regret. Like I said, I don't know where you are this morning, but I just want you to take a moment and just ask yourself, Lord, where, where am I, Lord? Maybe you've got, you've, you, you know you're a Christian, you've accepted Christ, and maybe you're just sitting in the I'm scared chair. You're just kind of afraid to represent him. I mean, you know, God, do you know the day that we live and the times that we're living and the things that are going on and what they're doing? Maybe I just need to get out of the I'm scared chair and I need to just start being that light. Start representing Christ. Maybe I need to just move away from the I'm aware chair. I'm just sitting here. I'm just thinking about this acknowledgement of who he is, but not really confessing him as Lord. I don't know where you sit this morning, but my prayer is that wherever you find yourself, just like Jonah, we would continue to find ourselves eventually in the I'm there chair. Lord, I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. Whatever you have, you have asked of me, Lord, let me make it good. Let me hold true. Maybe for some of you today, you've already made God uh, your Savior, but you just haven't been living like it. Today is that day of second chance. Hey, I want to close this in prayer. And I just want you just to reflect on that. Even as we pray, just, just reflect in your heart. God, where am I at today? Am I running? God, am I running from a decision or am I running from a choice? Am I running from a call that you've placed? Because I don't want to live my life with regrets. Let's pray. Father, God, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you so much um, that you are a God of, of grace and mercy, a, a God of love, a God who even when we choose to run the complete opposite direction of you, that you don't give up on us, that you continue to pursue us, you, you continue to love us in those moments. God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, I'm so thankful that we... God, that we have your Bible, that we can look into, that we can see stories of people just like Jonah, Lord, so that we can not only just read about them, but we can learn from their mistakes. We can 
We can live our lives based on their mistakes. Like we can learn. We don't have to experience them ourselves. We thank you that you've highlighted this in your word today. Lord, and I just want to pray this morning. I don't know where we sit, each one of us individually this morning, uh, which chair we find ourselves. But Lord, my prayer today is that wherever we find ourselves, that we would continue to strive for the I'm there chair, that we would continue to press forward to, to finding ourselves at a position in life that whatever you ask, whatever you call, whatever you, you, you lead us to, God, that we would be willing to stand up and fully embrace it on the first try. God, that if you call us to go serve, that we would chase after that. If you call us to stand up and to represent you on our campus, that we would, we would do that. God, that if you call us, maybe it's just, maybe it's even this afternoon, if you call us just to have a conversation with a, a waiter or a waitress at lunch, maybe we can see that they've had a bad day. Maybe we just need to pray for them. Would you just give us the, 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 the boldness and the faith to embrace that moment? And not to just say, well, maybe next time. We want to be at the I'm there chair this morning. That's our prayer. God, nobody in this room would acknowledge that they want to live their life with regrets. And so today we we acknowledge that we want to chase after you and run towards the calling that you place in our lives. Father, we thank you so much for the great opportunity that we have today just to gather in this building, to open up your word, to learn truth to sing and to, to, to praise you with song, to fellowship with one another. God, may we never take this moment, this situation, this setting for granted. And I pray now as we go to our next uh, hour of worship, God, that you would just continue to have our hearts at a position to say, God, I'm there. What do you want? How can I grow? How can I change? How can I be more like you today? We thank you for all of these things. Father, I do just want to pray right now, healing over Kendall this morning. I know he's at home. He's not doing well. He's sick. I pray for healing over his body. I pray for Lindsay and the kids. Lord, I just pray for their family today. Would you bring rest and would you bring healing in your name? Amen.